Welcome to One News Inside Parliament. It's our weekly catch-up about the political stories we've been covering on One News. We're coming to you from the legendary Beehive studio. I'm Jessica Much-Mackay. I'm Mikey Sherman. And I'm Benedict Collins. It's really nice to have you with us this week. Let's start off with our pits and our peaks. Who wants to start off with... Should we perhaps start negative and end positive? Should we start with... <laughs> uh, or do you want to do the other way around? No, let's yeah, start let's, negative. Let's, okay, sure. Let's start negative. We always come in so happy. Let's let's start with the bad stuff, and I'll go first. Okay. My pit this week is Corrections Minister Calvin Davis. Uh, earlier this week, we had uh, Brian Tamaki, leader of Destiny Church, put out horrific tweets, um, and of course, uh, we had the response from Corrections Minister Calvin Davis. The issue that really sort of um, grated me uh, was that he went a little bit far, and he said that anyone uh, who's a member of Destiny Church are under a spell. They've been sucked in and they're under a spell and that he feels sorry for them. And I just think that that's, you know, a little bit um, too far across the line. Uh, you've got thousands of people who are members of Destiny Church. They don't deserve to sort of be um, sort of cast in, in that sort of uh, way um, by a minister. It was unprofessional. So that's my pit. You want to go or should I go? You go, Jess. Um, my pit this week, I think, was the decision yesterday about cancelling the re-entry to the Pike Mine. Now, whether you agree with it or not, I think what's hard is for the families to get their hopes up and to have all of this anticipation and then be told no. And I just think that, um, you know, it's been eight and a half, nearly nine <coughs> years now, and I just feel like um, that, would, that would be rough for them. And I just think, obviously... It's unsafe, so you can't you can't go in and you can't put other people's lives at risk. But I just think building up and having that anticipation and then that being dashed, yeah, I just w- think that's would have been a big, poor. really deflating for the May. But yeah. I, I just think, hey, you know, like the minister um, told us yesterday in, in the um, sort of impromptu press conference he gave up in his office. You know, it's safety first. Once they got those yeah. readings, you you got to call hey Tai Ho for a little while, right? Yeah. Um, and it sounds some of the reports I was seeing this morning sounds like it might not be delayed for too long. Yeah, know. I just think that raising people's hopes yeah. and then dashing them, that's rough, no Lisa, matter the circumstances. Lisa Davies said a really good story for us on One News last night um, mm. and, and sort of portrayed that, that yeah. disappointment from the families, um, and but also showed real courage there, I thought, from mm. Anna Osborne and them, you know, to say that they understand. Um, and, and you're right, it could be as soon as next week that they could go yeah. um, back in um, from reports, so fingers crossed. Yeah, mm. I just think, imagine the night's leading up to that they would have been thinking about it and you know I just I just think it's rough yeah mm. what was your yeah. pit <coughs> not too sure how much it bothers me it's a little bit though it's just yeah. it's a bit weird I think especially you know given the tightest security we've had around parliament lately um, this week we've had people opposed um, to the euthanasia bill mm. which is fine coming into parliament um, but over a couple of days sort of a bit of weird behavior we had um, uh, we have um, question time at Parliament. I think it was was it Tuesday where, um, where all the ministers come over and they're fair game for us to stop an interview. And you had sort of um, anti-euthanasia protesters coming into Parliament and sort of standing in the back of our camera shots and stuff like that and holding up T-shirts, you know, um, you know, being against David Seymour's euthanasia bill, which is, you know, a little bit weird that they're doing that sort of at that point in time because you're not generally allowed to well, advertise just mean, stuff. When we're meant to be doing our jobs. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. And, and often the stories 
you know, in the back of that shot have got nothing to do with yeah. David Seymour's euthanasia bill, which obviously was supposed to come up this week for its um, second reading, I think. But then the, the following day, they were back at Parliament, and uh, there's a cafe area, um, and if you arrange with a minister, you can sometimes get a one-on-one, and one news had lined up um, the police minister, Stuart Nash, and uh, again, they, they'd sort of made their own way unaccompanied and were, I understand, MPs had complained about being harassed by them as they came back across the bridge back over towards the Beehive. Um, and there's a group of five or six of them. But um, again, they, they seem to just be sort of wandering around Parliament by themselves, uh, you know, sort of confronting MPs. It just felt a bit weird. And then they ended up being this great big spat while I was trying to interview the police minister on a couple of stories behind them there's yelling and screaming and security were asking them to leave and they were, some of them were crying, they were all upset and it's just, yeah, a bit weird that that's um, being allowed to happen and I, th- I think Simon O'Connor brought them into the National MP had brought them into Parliament the first day, saw him with them but I'm just not sure how they're allowed to sort of have this roam free around Parliament. And, and that's I guess for people who don't haven't been to Parliament before um, it is a secure place you, you mm. can obviously come <clears> in um, with, a, with an MP or with, a, with one of us or who have access but it is a place of work as well as being, you know, a beautiful building and a place of interest as well. But I think they um, have opened up that cafe um, restaurant actually, up to the yeah, public, right? So people yeah. can come in now. But yeah, it just yeah. seemed a bit off that these they were sort of roaming around Parliament confronting. Yeah, it's probably. I was thinking was um, that Simon O'Connor should probably take a little bit of responsibility for that that kerfuffle there because I'm not be quite d- sure it was him. Yeah, second day, I, I don't know what yeah what had happened that second mm. day. I, and, and I'm not sure he even brought them in the first day. I just saw yeah. them with them when they brought them across oh, yeah. the bridge when we were doing our shoot. Hey, but onto my peak. Yeah. Hey, um, <laughs> we'll move right along there. Hey, um, last night stood up a story um, for One News. Have a look. It looks like. Um, the cannabis referendum, the government is about to sort of uh, show its hand next week. Um, and we had a, a few details that I um, <coughs> was able to get across. We understand they're not going to be passing uh, legislation before the, the referendum is held at the next election. Um, instead, they're going to have a bill, basically, that the public will be able to see. And then if we do vote yes, then they're going to bring that in afterwards. And we're understanding um, uh, the Justice Minister, Andrew Little, is uh, intending on taking a paper to cabinet on Monday uh, next week and then we're expecting a public announcement um, mid next week as well if cabinet all goes smoothly so I'm really looking forward to that because it's sort of a story that I've kept a close eye on. The Green Party um, from memory they wanted the bill to be sort of fleshed out yeah before it went to the referendum is that right I mean how what's what's the sort of thinking um, now that that seems to have sort of switched a little bit? <coughs> well yeah so that when, when you have a binding referendum it's really nice and tidy if, they, if the government could push through or, or, or pass legislation. So then people know exactly what, what it they're is voting for, they're voting, voting for, right? Yeah. So so who knows? But let's just mm. hypothesise a bit here. You know, the age limit's 20. You're allowed to grow up to two, you know, two plants at your own house. Um, we're going to have restrictions on the amount of THC that the active ingredient, one of the active ingredients in cannabis, you know, set at whatever percent. Um, and then you'd have all your rules and regulations around... Uh, Retailers who are going to sell it, you know, or how many you're allowed, how far they have to be away from schools, whatever, right? You'd have all that really clearly set out in front of the publics and, and passed into legislation so that when you went to the referendum, and you vote, if you did vote yes, which the indications are the public may well, um, then that basically just, boom, it comes in and, that, and, and it's all set. Our understanding is instead they're just going to have a bill that people can look at uh, you know, and then if you do vote yes, then that would be introduced. My understanding is, you know, when the government came back, 
But that looks a little bit messy. messy. Chris Bishop um, tweeted out a a tweet last night just saying, oh, hey, look, um, following us doing that story, saying, look, this looks like, you know, politicians are going to be able to basically, you know, be in control after the vote. Um, And he felt, you know, that wasn't an ideal situation. Um, And... And it does sort of raise a question of, well, if it's only a bill, what happens, you know, what what if this government gets rolled and it's, you know, a National League government comes in and they, they don't want to do it? I mean, I guess you'd be brave if the public had voted, yeah. you know, in favour of this. But what changes they'd make? Yeah, so it's going to be yeah. interesting to see how that sort of plays out. Yeah. What was your peak? Um, my peak was watching the uh, National Party leadership uh, stoush uh, play out uh, yet again, uh, this time sort of more behind um, closed doors in caucus. Uh, but the biggest thing for me, I thought, was um, I really enjoyed watching Paula Bennett actually on breakfast defend Simon Bridges. I thought she did a really good job. Um, so kudos there. That was uh, sort of good to watch John Campbell too um, on the breakfast seat um, interview the politicians. I think we're going to get some good stuff coming out of there. What did you um, like about what there. she said? I just thought, you know, it's, it's a tricky place and because she was sitting next to um, Shane Jones and he's talking about, you know, once the virus hits a political body, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, when it comes to line. leadership yeah. attacks, um, there's no uh, sort of running away from it. Yeah. You're not even antibiotics. This is what he was saying. Not even antibiotics can cure it. <laughs> and he would know because he was part of the Labour Party, obviously, which went through a number of leadership mm, mm. Um, battles themselves. And so she did a really good job there just sort of sitting next to um, Shane Jones and doing a good job of defending a quite a convincing job I thought Um, so yeah that was my peak I think my peak this week was just the fireworks we had in the debating chamber because what happens when MPs go away for two weeks over recess, it's almost like they have that, like children, they have this built up energy and then they kind of just like <laughs> release and let it go when they come into the house um, back after that break. And I just think there were some really fun, funny moments in, in question time and also in general debate this week that I enjoyed. And they just, it almost is like they're at the starting gate and they just want to go out and pounce and get a bit feral. So it's just, I, it's fun. I enjoy the weeks back after recess. But on that, when you're talking about the national leadership stuff, let's take a look at that because that was um, how we kicked off the week this week. Back into the political arena after the Easter break. Hi, back the leader that we have. I support Simon Bridges as a leader. Yeah, things are good. Things yeah. are fine, yeah. We're all in good shape. By and large, we're pretty united. Pretty united heading into their weekly meeting. We're all team bridges. Yeah, I think we're all good. Oh, look, I'm just trying to do my own job. For months, there's been chatter about Judith Collins wanting the top job. The One News Colmar Brunton poll two weeks ago had the pair both on 5% in the preferred Prime Minister numbers. Are you happy with the way Simon Bridges is leading the party? Well, I think Simon, like everyone else, is doing their very best. Simon Bridges repeatedly refusing to say he trusts Judith Collins. I trust my co- colleagues. Specifically, do you trust her? Look, as I say, I trust my colleagues, but I'm not going to play these sort of silly games. He can trust me. I'm a very loyal member of the caucus. Behind closed doors, One News understands issues of leadership, loyalty and unity were thrashed out over two hours. And when he emerged... No, I'm really confident. I've got a strong United caucus... He even changed his tune about Judith Collins. I trust Judith Collins. So what's changed between then and now? Because this morning you wouldn't say it. I think you're clearly overanalyzing things. Um, You know, I I felt confident then, I still do. Simon Bridges then challenging the government on Kiwi Build, usually Judith Collins' domain, 
with only one supplementary? Is it already too hard for the Prime Minister? <laughs> Raising leadership issues today. Bold call, Mr Bridges. In that last supplementary wasn't in fact competency, not leadership issues I was raising. But it's his leadership that's distracting the National Party. So what was interesting there is I think how this came about. And I think it was because we had that two-week gap. We had um, our poll yeah. at the beginning of that recess, which got things percolating. We also had bridges um, going along to that conference, as we talked about before, um, and saying that you know he would be addressing um, the issues of, of unity and of leadership there. And you just got the feeling that it was a boil he needed to lance. And um, it sounded as though it was a very interesting caucus meeting. What I was told... That, but first of all, they were told... Do not talk to the media. Um, several MPs chose to talk off the record. And it seemed like there were those two camps. There was a Bridges camp saying, Judith Collins, you need to get in line. And then there was a Collins camp saying, Simon Bridges, you need to work on your leadership and the way that you're handling things. And it sounds as though there was a lot of um, airing and frank discussions going on in that caucus. Why yeah. Bridges would bring up uh, or, or his camp? Because we sort of you, you got the sort of um, uh, sort of a tip or fay, didn't you, about um, uh, the fact that Bridges was going to be talking about discipline and unity um, at caucus? And I was just thinking, why would um, uh, they sort of start putting that message out there prior to coming back, unless they wanted to c- cause? just more um, media attention around the disarray and the disunity there. Um, what you sh- why not just bring it up once you get into that caucus room? Just wait till you get them in there and then just be like, do the telling off then. Instead of it, it's sort of like it started the sort of on the on the sort of Sunday, Monday, there were whispers about Bridges is going to give everyone a telling off um, at caucus on Tuesday. And that's when you start sort of when the when the drum starts getting banged around and that's when the media start coming out on the Tuesday morning uh, uh, outside Parliament waiting for all of the MPs to come because there are those whispers already happening. And I think sometimes they're their own creator of their own demise in many ways. Yeah. It is. I, I do quite enjoy um, being out the front of Parliament, um, you know, doing that, the door stopping of, of MPs on the way. And when we do, if there's, you know, a big issue um, <clears throat> and you get those normally really hungry MPs, hungry for publicity, always keen for a story, you know, <laughs> desperate. And all of a sudden they don't want to talk. They're <laughs> heading straight through. No time for you know, media ch- busy on their cell phones like Nathan Guy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can't possibly stop to answer questions. Yeah. It was quite interesting. Um, yeah, sort of interesting week as well. I heard Michelle Bogue. Um, earlier this week, sort of questioning, you know, whether Simon Bridges needs to get some better advisors in place, um, and, and, and questioning the sort of experience of the advisors he's got around him. And, and you do look at some of the, ins- you know, some of the spats or he's got himself into, you know, are, are sort of linked to the advice he's been getting and the advice that's been given out of his office as well. Um, I reckon another element to add into that though, as well, is that um, at that grassroot level. Um, people are picking up on that and I think yeah. that's where that loyalty and unity stuff came from was because at one of their um, conferences over the weekend um, that was raised with Simon Bridges as something that he needed to address and I think that when it gets into that level you know you've got poll after poll after poll you've got 
media stories. You've got Judith Collins being reasonably coy um, with the way that she's she's doing things. And I just think that's what, when it starts being raised at that grassroots level, um, when they say, okay, hang on, what's going on here? This is something that you need to address. I reckon that's, that adds into all of that pressure cooker situation. It was so good just watching Judith Collins get out of that cab <laughs> and answer those questions. Very coy, as you say, and, and sort of um, saying a lot without saying very much, I'd say. That's and why television is such a fun medium, because you can... Read the faces. You can, what they say is they say, I support Simon Bridges, but their face and their demeanour communicates... Um, a, a different message and what I do find really interesting is you can't you can't show that in print or you can a little bit in radio but I do think with television we get to show mm. people um, reactions and I often think that's quite telling in all sorts of environments. So do you think he lanced the boil? I think some stuff went down at that meeting that has um, created a temporary truce for a couple of weeks and I think um, that it's brought him some time. I think that um the um, next poll is is crucial, um, but I think if it goes up, there's a chance he could buy himself some more time. I think the <coughs> next major muck up um, yeah. will have quite wide implications as well. So if there is one, if, yeah, 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 if there yeah, is yeah, one, yeah. Um, you know, a next big mistake. So I do think that this he. Well, conversely, there could be a, a, a really good hit, right? Absolutely. On the, on, you know, on the, yeah, and this is where he is. Government. It's almost yeah. like this pendulum at the moment mm. and you're putting, you know how those those weights and you put the little things in here and the little things in here. Mm. Um, if he can get a little, a few little scores over here, sprinkle on here, if he makes mistakes, dunk, and that goes down and then it's all on. So I do think that um, it was... A, I hope that people are... Um, people are listening on the radio. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> I, I, was, I use my hands quite a bit on that, so I'm very sorry. But but you see what I mean. Mm, like, mm. it is one of those things that he could be leading National into the next election, but it does depend on the next next few weeks. Yes. I think that the truce, truce works in the favour of if, if, if say, there is uh, a Camp Collins out there sort of working away behind the scenes. I think it works in their favour also to have a truce because, you know, while they still while they still have that 40% party vote number uh, and, and Simon Bridges isn't doing too bad of a job, I think they do require a little bit more to go, you know, awry um, in order for uh, it, them to make a sort of um, good, strong break through into that leadership sphere. And so, you know, a break would be able to see, you know, just uh, it's, it's a death by a thousand cuts sort of scenario for Simon Bridges. Every little sort of leadership um, question um, that's raised through the media and then out on the grassroots, it adds in their favour. If he mucks up again, and like you say, if we see those poll numbers go down again, and that just builds the case for a leadership change. Yeah, and I think you're right, because when whenever there's a leadership scrap, it's bad for the party, it's bad for poll ratings, it's bad for the caucus. We saw that with Labour over and over again changing, and I think that will be fresh in the minds of many MPs. She's going to have to go above and beyond what a normal leader would have, would have to do in a coup situation because he is sitting at that 40 mark. 39? different story and I reckon isn't it's interesting how it's psychological you don't look as though you're agreeing with me in that no no I was just thinking uh, it was interesting this week and Holly coming into parliament yeah. and just saying to us hey look 
Judith Collins, she's just too black and white. Um, you know, we need people who operate better in that grey area, who, who aren't so polarising, because that's how you win elections, right? That's how you, you get powers. You, you attract the middle voters, right? You bring in Judith, is she too polarising? No wonder, you know, what we're all really focused on is, well, you know, is Judith the challenger? I suspect there may be others who are, you know, a, a lot quieter at the moment, who, if there was a leadership challenge, would perhaps have a, a, a better shot. And you only Perhaps your Mark look. Mitchell's also... Yep. Or, or someone like or that. Or Amy Adams. You know, you only have that, to look yeah. to the last bid. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder whether, you know, there could be other players, yeah. um, you know, if there was to be a fall yeah. in support who might make their move then. Well, speaking of doing the numbers, um, Benedict did a story this week on the census, which, of course, takes all of our numbers. So let's take in a look theory. at that. <laughs> yeah, in <laughs> theory. Hey, that was such a good segue. Take a look at this. Hundreds of thousands of Kiwis didn't complete the 2018 census. Now the government is picking up the pieces. Today we are announcing we are fixing that shortfall of nearly $6 million needed to complete that work. Another $10 million has been allocated to help Stats New Zealand get ahead of the next census in 2023. And not taking any responsibility whatsoever for the bungle. Decisions were made well before we came along. The last government said to Stats NZ back in 2014, make the biggest changes ever to how you conduct the census. Do it whilst also finding ways to cut 5% of your costs. National telling the government to own its mistakes. It is a shambles. It is a, it is a debacle. The census data is used for crucial infrastructure planning, such as transport, health and education. We didn't make it as easy and as easy as we could do for people to take part in the census. Today it was revealed iwi affiliation data won't be officially released. This is a significant loss. While household and family data will be low quality. It's a very significant reduction in quality for what is a flagship output for Stats New Zealand. National census criticisms clearly getting under the minister's skin. The minister should really reflect on this because, uh, Minister sure because he didn't show much interest in census 2018. Frankly, I'm pretty hot under the collar about the way that the National Party have been playing fast and loose around this. The government statistician isn't sure more money would have helped. Money may, may have made a difference to the initial design. Um, but we are where we are. The first 2018 census data will be released in September. Yeah, look, so this was a, um, uh, you know, somewhat of a train wreck, uh, the um, 2018 census. Interesting, just chatting with um, one of our colleagues in the office this week, who like tried again and again and again, her and her flatmates, to get the census papers delivered to them, couldn't do it online, kept getting rejected. The papers never arrived. Um, you know, and this is someone who's really politically switched on. Um, you know, if people in you know Wellington who are so connected to politics find it in, impossible, you know, to get a census delivered to their flat for them and their flatmates, can you imagine what it's like for the rest of people? Did yeah. you guys um, fill in the census? Yeah, yeah, I did. Mm, yeah, um, same. Online or yeah. in post? Yeah, I did it online. I did it on paper. Oh. I can't remember why, yeah. but there was a reason. Um, Anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. don't agree. Well, they're saying yeah. that so, the reason and, um, why is because we had low turnout, so I'm like, okay. yeah. Yeah. Um, Liz, Liz, Liz <laughs> yeah. McPherson, the um, government statistician, interesting, she was saying, you know, because there's been this war of words between National and the government and, and James Shaw, um, you know, about that funding. Um, Nash, you know, the government saying, hey, look, National was wrong to sort of insist that they had to reduce um, or make 5% savings around their spending when they were 
rolling out the first ever online full online census um and national sort of turn around and say no no we were just seeking greater efficiencies because they were going online that, that whole war of words there between you know on the funding but the government statistician Liz McPherson saying we might have done things differently if we had more money not even sure that we would and I sort of put it to her it didn't make the track but I put it to her a couple of times well yeah, this is a pretty flawed census and this is sort of you know statistics New Zealand's main job yeah um, one are you, job are you, yeah yeah are you, are you you know, sort of going to remain in this role given the flawed census, and she just said to me, sort of repeatedly, "Look, I'm focused on on fixing the problems and you know, and, and trying to get the data up to as high a quality as they possibly can by using those other government data sets." Yeah, mm. I think you'd want to make her fix the problem. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But be- can you fix the problem if you oversaw the stuff up? Yeah, <clears throat> and, it's- and if you didn't need more money necessarily, then what was the problem? I just, I still don't understand how they stuffed it up so bad. But yeah. there were lots of things that you know that did enough people know about it. Did enough people know how to do it? You know what I mean? Like when and with our just not having and- that follow up for yeah. when people did find it hard to yeah. get online. Uh, speaking of follow up, I got followed up. I filled it in for my household online, and then they harassed me for like weeks, <laughs> saying you haven't filled it out. You're going to get fined. And I rang them up and I was like I've filled it out and they were like yeah we're really sorry we've, we've something's going wrong with our systems right and hey. now we know yeah hey um, just off the top of your head Jess yeah when was the first census well funny you should ask Benedict Collins <laughs> um, that's the kind of information I stir in my head without research um, 19, 1851 was the first census and did you know that 26,000 Europeans were recorded no other races were recorded in 1851 which I think is a very interesting point but we did record the number of sheep 200,000 sheep were recorded in New Zealand. They didn't start counting um, Māori living in New Zealand until 1858. That's remarkable. Racist AF, so... Way back. <laughs> can, can you say that on podcast? Nobody's sure. Yep. We shall see. Um, it's remarkable it, you keep that at the top of your... Top yeah, of your I mean, the only brain, reason I just, look down at those notes is just so that, mm, um, you mm, know, just to make mm. you all feel better. Um, yeah, but there are some fun <laughs> facts um, about the census. I love the sheep fact. I, I, I sheep <laughs> fact. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's awesome and so New Zealandy. Um, but the other big story that um, we looked into this week was around Brian Tamaki. So let's take a look at that. Destiny Church taking the man up fight to Parliament in December. For two days now, that fight has been exploding online. Tweeting today, Brian Tamaki accusing the Prime Minister, Grant Robertson, and Calvin Davis of political gang rape on the Destiny Church leader. It's disgusting. And like I say, that speaks more about the sort of person he is. Um, it's, uh, it's offensive on every level. Another tweet threatens to cause inmate revolts in every prison. Brian Tamaki playing it down, calling it a media stunt. Those tweets, sometimes you have to have a hook in a tweet to get the attention of the media so we can talk about the real issues. The real issue, he says, is resistance to the Destiny Church Man Up program being allowed in prisons, a 15-week rehabilitation for men, in particular those with violence and addiction issues. Officials have told One News the church has never formally applied for the Man Up program to go into prisons and that any program or service must go through the proper processes. And the minister adds he hasn't seen any evidence it works. Oh, just a, a sheet with a few numbers on it. Man Up has been used in the courts, judges referring offenders for rehabilitation. But it's a statement of fact. So if the judicial system 
Roosters trust and faith in Nana. What's Calvin Davis doing? Brian Tamaki accusing the minister of making it personal. When people are sucked into that sort of um, group, you know, you, you don't know what, what could go on. You know, I, I just haven't fallen under a spell and um, I feel sorry for the people who have. The Justice Minister adopting a more measured approach. You don't have to like who you work with in this game, in this job. What you do have to do is look for effective solutions. The Corrections Minister, though, saying it's off the table. Oh, he's blown it. He's cut his nose off the spider's face, you know. A decision that looks unlikely Calvin Davis will revisit any time soon. Very polarising issue, this one, uh, actually. And it always is, right, when you're dealing with um, Brian Tamaki um, and uh, his uh, way with words, yeah, shall we say. Tweets, his, yeah. his offensive yeah. tweets. Highly offensive. I mean, political gang rape, uh, there's no getting around it. Um, so, uh, you know, like I said in my pit, um, you know, right for the corrections minister to come out and slam him on that. I think he did go too far, though, in, in sort of tarring the rest of... Um, the uh, members of Destiny Church with the, the brush saying that they are all under a spell and he feels sorry for them. I mean, I know some people in the church, of course, you know, most of them are Māori and so it's hard to um, have that sort of degree of separation there uh, and I think they'd take offence to that. And um, the other interesting thing is that I have cited um, email uh, letters from Brian Tamaki to Calvin Davis um, as far back as 2018, the start of 2018, asking to meet with him. Um, Calvin Davis has um, said that you know he doesn't want to meet with him, and this was we have to remember prior to um, these horrific tweets and, and so on. Um, so you can't can't sort of um, blame you know his behaviour right. of recent on that. Um, and so uh, you know you've got to. Pray. I think people need to differentiate between um, their uh, dislike for um, an individual, Brian Tamaki, and a program that many people um, working with hard to reach communities have said works and I know that um, people are saying well where's the evidence we want um, a reputable organisation to verify this and yes but that is a very bureaucratic way of looking at things and when you're dealing with like I say hard to reach communities um, who are not faring well under the current rehabilitation programs 200 million being poured into pr- uh, prisons um, for rehab programs that we are not seeing the fruits of because we are seeing those high numbers of prison rates um, still remain stagnant basically um, so I think I think people just need to remember to look at it um, separately and I think what's what's interesting here is we do get a different take on Brian, on Brian Tamaki being in, in politics we are here when he turns up with thousands of people or up at Waitangi when he has he's almost like this celebrity God up there with all of these followers around him. And I think um, what's interesting is that he obviously still has a um, bit of political clout because when I asked um, Winston Peters, for example, you know, um, for your story, um, saying, you know, what's your personal views on Brian Tamaki, he's still um, very much, even though he was, you know, obviously against the tweets, horrific. Mm, and I think mm, we all agree mm. that that's, that's there. He said, oh, look, you know, I'm not going to give my personal opinion. And that's because he brings. Um, political capital, a lot of supporters turn to him for that kind of thing and I think Winston Peters recognises some of what you're saying there, that he particularly with um, some of the vulnerable communities Mm. he does have clout and political influence and I think some of those politicians are 
are mindful of that. And I I just think it's it's a really interesting situation because, um, you know, the, it's this it's a story with these with these tweets and and this political stout, and it is interesting taking a step back from it, eh? Yeah. Hey, um, your peak of the week was the. Uh Behavior or the or the the theatre in um yes in Parliament and question time and uh, also general debate this week. We've got a little clip for you here um, to have a quick look at, and we'll have a chat about it. So, what has what has the government delivered? Nothing. Oh, nothing, nothing. Slushies. Calvin Davis says a hundred. And 93, nearly $6,000 slushy machines. Will Grant Robertson drink them all? I don't think we've ever talked more about slushies. I don't think I've mentioned that word more in my life than in this week. Um, it's been um, fascinating to see how this obviously comes from the fact that um, Simon Bridges is wanting to um, draw attention to the fact that a million dollars has been pumped into slushy machines in prisons. And and it's a it's a fascinating story. Mm. A million bucks, like I think five most people for, might I add, with my judgment hat on, for a sugary drink that is not good for you, and being put in prisons is a thing I like that you laugh at that bit. But but it is, and I I do think that a million bucks it's well, a lot of money. Yeah, we um in our original story last week, Gia Garrick, our reporter, uh, did the slushy story for us um, on Sunday night. It was interesting. They were speaking um, in Who Track. They were speaking to a, um, a sports nutritionist who was saying, actually, if you um, give an athlete a slushy, it lowers their core body temperature and like half an hour later or whatever, they actually, so they don't feel the heat as much. So obviously that's, I guess, part and of I'm the sure science the behind coming guard. in for prison guards who are yeah. wearing those heavy... Six kgs, and they will be thrilled to be labelled athletes as well. (laughs) Well, there's science behind it, even though it's a sugary, bad drink. Yeah, I still, I just, yeah. I could just watch that clip all day. Simon Bridges, (laughs) you know, on on a sugar high, screaming slushies (laughs) in the house. It's classic. We just need he needs to come into question time next week, just slurping away on one. Like that's just how it needs to be. Like walking out and a little little bit of debate this week. I know it's been around about whether it was appropriate for Simon Bridges, you know, to go after on the slushy story. I reckon good on him. And you know, totally legitimate. Especially if he knew the leadership stuff was coming out, why not set the agenda a couple That's of days right. before and try and get a run on the board beforehand? But we better wrap it up because we have chatted for quite a lot of time today. But um, it's great to have you with us on our One News Inside Parliament. It's our weekly catch-up about the political stories we've been covering on One News. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. It's available around this time every week on the One News Now and One News Facebook page. And check us out on your favourite podcasting app. We'll see you next week. See you guys.